we have a compelling offer and local authorities are engaged it's doing exactly what they want it's backed by the government industrial strategy it's where we need to go the built environment has such a huge impact on people and we forget that because we are told where to go and we can do it so much better I joked um, the other day that the only thing that's really keeping me in my position is child labour laws, otherwise there probably would be a 12-year-old who could do my job better than me. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Rewire podcast, a podcast that aims to rewire the real estate industry one story at a time. In this podcast, we talk about all things diversity and inclusion, from gender, ethnicity, background and sexuality, to the diversity of roles there are in the industry, to the diverse skill sets required, and the need for diverse and inclusive thinking. I'm your host, Sam McClary, and on today's episode, we're talking diversity from a different angle. We're not only meeting Rachel Dickey, investment manager with responsibility for urban regeneration at LNG Capital, to talk about her journey to where she is today, but we're also going to be talking about SciTech as an investment class and the diversity that that brings to the LNG portfolio and the importance of investing in a sector that will bring a diverse range of skilled jobs to the re- regions. Hey, Rachel, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Sam. Good. Great to be here. It's excellent to have you. Thank you. So it was almost a year to the day ago that LNG Capital announced it was forming this rather large uh, JV and the largest in the UK um, of science and technology partnership with Bruntwood. And so before we get into sort of talking about the specifics of that, JV, I'd love to hear from you as to what, you know, why you thought, why you wanted to create such a JV and what it was about the science and technology um, market that helped you see that there's an opportunity there. So starting with the sector opportunity, from the LNG perspective, we're looking to find areas of the UK economy that have been starved of investment. And that's either from the banks retrenching or lack of government funding and looking at where we can deploy our our own balance sheet and also the funds that we have under management where we can not only make a financial return but have a social and economic impact on the UK. And this all really stems from the fact that the mission of our business is to improve the lives of our customers and there are over 10 million of of them in the UK and they are spread all over the place in towns and cities in rural areas and it's a responsibility that we take incredibly seriously and part of the driver behind setting up legal and general capital was to use our balance sheet to unlock the enormous amount of money that's out there to deploy it to the projects that desperately need it Hmm. and from the government industrial strategy to how we live our daily lives, the influence of science and technology is is growing ever greater. And as a business, we wanted to look at what our role would be in supporting those industries. And one of them is through the physical provision of space. And the other one is through funding of, of those businesses, which we're also doing as well. But in terms of the provision of space, 
we always have options at LNG, whether we look at building the capability ourselves internally or whether we look to partner with best in class. And with a business like Brumwood, we found that. We found a business that was doing exactly what we wanted to do. They had a track record of doing it and we were really culturally aligned. And I think that final point is probably the most important of why we decided to go with with Brumwood in the first place. And, and let's talk about that um, cultural alignment then. What does... Um, you, you talked there about sort of LNG's purpose, um, about making better lives for your, your customers, which is a, a, a great purpose to have and a, and a, and a big one to try and achieve. Um, with the, the relationship with, with Bruntwood, what, what was it about them and that, that culture that you thought we can make this work and we can make that difference? So even if you look at the driver for their business which is to create thriving cities that's exactly what we're trying to do so in terms of headline messages down to people on the ground who really care and recognize the opportunity that we have but also the responsibility that we have to shake up the real estate industry change the way that things have been done before shock horror treat tenants as customers (laughs) you know this is this is absolutely how we would all like to be treated as individuals, but why, when we get into a corporate real estate context, does all of that go out the window? And, you know, these are, it's a team of people, they know their market, they know what they're doing, they've, they've tested the boundaries, they've seen what works and what doesn't. But there's this, uh, this sort of intellectual curiosity and this drive for change and improvement that sits really well with what we're also trying to do in our business Hmm. and does that that sit well with the the sort of the subject matter as well of the places that you are creating together so science and technology you know this um, element of the UK business industry that we probably don't talk about as much as we should, but it's a huge part of, of the skill sets that we have here as a as a country, isn't it? If we look at the, the university towns, there's some fantastic minds and innovations that are coming out of, of those um, universities, but very often we lose that to other, co- other countries. So it, it is part of the, the programme that, that the pair of you have finding a way to, I guess, ret- retain that talent, retain that um, diversity of, of thought and, um, you know, I guess sort of build a build a, a better, I'm going to sound like Trump, build a better Britain. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> the, it, there, you know, there, there are some similarities <laughs> and occasionally I hear uh, things come out of Donald Trump's mouth that are not wholly dissimilar from, you know, from where, where we're we're trying to go but doing it in a slightly different way and hopefully <laughs> achieving better better and more inclusive outcomes no walls where uh, <laughs> uh, where we come from but it there is an an amazing amount of talent in this country there are fantastic ideas that are coming out of here but we're and not just from a real estate perspective but as a country we're not doing enough to support that if businesses fail, what happens next? And people need to know that they can try things and not everything's gonna work. And 
they can go to the next thing. And, and so we need that ecosystem to be prominent enough and to be big enough that there's a kind of conveyor belt of, of opportunities coming through that they can contribute to. And there are extraordinary pockets of innovation throughout the country that it's only through doing this joint venture that I've had the privilege to explore and I mean that's part of why I love what I do is it's not just about the buildings it's who's in them and what you learn as a byproduct of being an investor in in real estate so I think we definitely need to do more there's engaging with the universities there's helping those spin outs and there are businesses doing that now and having fantastic results so we'd that all the fundamentals are there our job is to provide space as a service we are a supplier as part of the support network that allows these companies to do great things without having to worry about you know a hundred page lease and you well we're growing and we need more space you know it's our job to to provide for them mm. not to put barriers in the way uh, for them doing what they do well it's a great way to look at um real estate isn't it as a provider as part of the support network and um i hope that it's something that is becoming um more uh what's the word i'm looking for uh, sort of a more general language in within our our sector rather than like oh they're a bit out there that's a bit woo woo you know we just we just build buildings yeah. we take we take the rent it, it can't be that anymore can it no it, it it shouldn't and i think there's enough momentum now that people are being called out and the there's an element of the market dynamics that drives people to be more active in terms of their management and so much of what we've seen over the last 10 years things that people love doing were driven from a place of well we haven't got any options and we we don't know what to do let's bring in someone creative from outside the real estate industry to put on a food market to do pop-ups to run more events it it sort of came from the wrong place but it's so good that it's happened mm. and the industry has woken up to it now we're not perhaps the right people to deploy it but there's enough people there on the periphery who we're engaging with and taking all of their knowledge from from what they've done and and deploying it in a slightly different way and in a way that's that's like the benefit of technology in that it's not necessarily new inventions it's allowing us to use the existing systems that we have better more efficiently to have greater impact mm, excellent so let's let's talk a little bit about the portfolio mm -hmm. So um, when you launched the JV, the, uh, it was 100, well, no, it wasn't, it was 1.8 billion pounds of assets um, and value. So a 360 million JV. Yes, so investment, you, that's yeah. right. And 1.8 million square feet. Excellent. And that is, uh, there was already, Brentwood already had a big portfolio of which you bought into um, with projects in Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, and obviously quite a famous one in Cheshire yes uh Alderley Park and um, but obviously ambitions to grow those 
further, which we'll talk about in a, in a minute. But can you talk us through um, some of those assets and what what you've been doing over the year at those, and and I guess um, some of the some of the things that you've learned from that. You said you got to um, travel around the country and 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 learn some stuff, which is always good. Yeah. Uh, so Brentwood had done an amazing job in Manchester building up this innovation district around the Oxford Road corridor and that started with Manchester Science Park back in 2012 again where they stepped in to solve a problem the council needed help and there was an opportunity for a good operator to come in and really transform that and from what I understand that was really what started their journey into science and tech and from then on um, which you know the Manchester uh, Manchester University are involved Manchester Met are also on that same Oxford Road corridor and at the end of it you've got uh, the Manchester Royal and the hospital were also keen to look at how they could bring in commercial operations to sit alongside them which started the creation of the city labs concept so we've got another uh, city labs one is already up and built and city labs two is under development at the moment where interestingly a company called kyogen are moving from manchester science park over the road to their own uh, their own building on the the hospital campus as well so a growth for them growth for them investment in you know more investment in the uk foreign direct investment mm. fantastic result for um for uh, for us and and for the city and then we've got another development called circle square and that's really where a lot of the activity has been um, over the last 12 months so we have about three hundred and fifty thousand square foot under development there across two buildings it's the old bbc site mm really the gateway to the Oxford Road corridor and that it's a it's a big decision it's a brave decision to be creating that amount of speculative space and I think that's a bit of the journey that we've been on from an LNG perspective is you can't rely on prelets in the same way that you could the market has changed and leases are shorter and as an institutional investor we can rest on our laurels or we can step up and be at the forefront of creating the best product in the most flexible way to secure our income stream because our product is better rather than the fact we have 20 year leases. So we, you know, we, we, we added that to, you know, we embraced that as part of the portfolio to give grow on space for businesses that are already in, um, in the portfolio and also a different type of product from the science park from city labs this is a more uh, a larger scale commercial offer but we are very selective on the occupiers that will come into that estate to ensure that they really will together be greater than the sum of their parts in terms of an innovation district and we've got uh, another building about to go in for planning in Birmingham, another 120,000 square feet next to Innovation Birmingham. And in Leeds, have seen amazing take up in of not only the building as a whole, um, but also in the tech hub where we have 80 tech entrepreneurs and small businesses in there. And 
that's before you even get onto Oldley Park, which, as you said, is is really a one-off. This is the old AstraZeneca headquarters when the business made a decision to move to Cambridge. They effectively are, are coming out entirely. There's still a few uh, few business lines that are based there, but they will go. And that's about 1.2 million square feet of high spec space in the most beautiful environment. I mean, I love going there, especially when you come from an office in, in central London uh, to go to this glorious, uh, glorious parkland. And again, off the back of the success of Manchester Science Park, when it was announced that AstraZeneca were leaving, Cheshire East faced a really difficult decision of what do they do with all of those clever brains and high value jobs that are in the area, they really couldn't afford for them to go. And so they came to Brumwood and asked what whether they would be prepared to, to get involved in it. And that was 2015. And then, you know, 2018, we joined the partnership as well. And there's, I think over 200 businesses there now. And again it comes into well there's a business reason for doing this but there's also a responsibility point is that we have an opportunity to create something amazing here Mm. and a legacy um, that will keep Oldley Park relevant in a new uh, a new era yeah yeah and is it I guess for an asset like that that's been a huge part of the, the local area for such a long time um, you, you can't you can't let it become a, a wasteland, can you? You've got to, um, you know, if you have this this purpose, you've got to look out for the the, the local people, the local community. Um, how what what are you doing at Olderly um, Park to, I guess, bring bring the local community in? So, and again, I, you know, I'm not I'm not on the ground day to day, but anecdotally. I think AstraZeneca used to have a friends and family day once a year. And that was the only time that a very small number of people actually saw what went on there. And one of the key parts of our strategy is to open it up and make people aware of the history of the place you know the the uh, number of drugs that have come out of Aldley Park is is astounding beneficial drugs of course, sorry yeah. yes yeah <laughs> just to be <laughs> thanks for clarifying that um and uh, uh medical yeah. medically yeah. beneficial yeah. Uh, drugs and <laughs> so it's it's a really important part of of pharmaceutical history and so I think being able to engage you know the the kids who live around there of like actually all of this innovation happened on your doorstep i think that's really powerful and we're trying to attract different and new businesses it's it's not just kind of core life sciences it's the technology technology platforms that sit on top of that and looking at themes like personalized medicine and it's it will be really really important to us as as people um, and the, and how we are treated as, as patients going forward. So I think 
the it doesn't need to be as high security as it was and that, you know that's a necessity when you run certain businesses so we, we can downgrade that we can have more people accessing the site we've managed to bring in some residential to that scheme as well which not only helps underpin the viability but starts to change the way that people think about it mm. uh, and so it allows we've got an excuse to go and engage with the local community and bring them in and try and get them excited about what's going on there mm. excellent uh, i, I want to pick up on you made a point earlier that um you know you could be uh, you'd be quite selective around um sort of um, companies that you engage with tenants that you invite onto um, the developments how how important is sort of curation of of these parks in in making them a success and then um, to follow on from that how do, how does it work on a sort of um, network basis I guess as you grow this across regional cities is there cross-pollination do you try and move companies a- around so on that second point yes absolutely the whole driver behind this partnership is to create a network of innovation districts across the UK and allow not allow facilitate the movement of businesses and ideas around that network again by making it easier for people well if you've got a project and you're working on something in Oxford rather than Manchester or you know there's something going on in Edinburgh well we can provide the space for that and we can support you so it's it's not it it works now on a kind of individual case-by-case basis but the next move for us is how do we use technology to to help connect people and create that community when they're not physically located in one place and then in terms of that physical location in one place, there is a certain amount of curation that goes on in terms of staying true to the vision to create innovation districts that are rooted in science and technology. Mm. And that doesn't mean that lawyers and accountants and property businesses don't have a place there, but we're very specific about what parts of those businesses are there and and what are they going to contribute to the ecosystem. But a lot of what this is about, again, is it's us facilitating, it's us providing the space, it's us providing the network and the contacts and being a support network to say, well, what do you want to do? What would help your business? Who do we need to attract here to take your business to the next level. What can we do in terms of funding? What can we do in terms of running events? We're not going to have all of the answers, but we're here to serve our customer. And so it's a case of engaging with them, seeing what we can do and where we then allocate resources to have the biggest impact. Fantastic. And and uh, 12 months isn't a long time, really, in, in the... Um grand scheme of things and you know you've got a big portfolio to be working on already um but there must be ambitions to grow i know you said um you know the ambition is to have a a network of innovation um hubs around around the country so i guess looking forward what's what's coming next in 2020 up to 2025 you know what's the ultimate ambition for the for the partnership so the ultimate ambition is that we have 
a UK-wide presence and working with cities on what their sector specialisms are and how we can provide space to help. We are looking at expansion in Birmingham, not only on the Innovation Birmingham site, but we're also um, part of the process on Birmingham Life Sciences Park, which is yet to be uh, yet to be decided, but will where Innovation Birmingham is targeted more at digital and tech this will be more life sciences working with Birmingham University and and the health partners partnership we as LNG recently announced a partnership with Oxford University and part of that partnership will involve bringing forward you know one to two million square feet of, of science space and we would absolutely expect to do that as part of our SciTech partnership and adding Oxford to the network from an international perspective I think will be really important because as much as we are championing regional cities from a from a global perspective there is still so much emphasis on the golden triangle Mm -hmm. and we need to embrace that not compete against it so then there are other cities where as LNG we have a presence where perhaps there's an opportunity to bring those into the network like our investment alongside Newcastle City Council and Newcastle University uh, Helix and other cities that we're working with like Bristol like Edinburgh Cambridge to uh, to see what our angle could be to work within the existing ecosystems that they have and, and bring something different. And how open are those cities to those discussions? And, you know, I don't want to mention the dreaded B word because we're all bored of it, quite frankly. Um, But, you know, if we're trying to create vibrant hubs within the the UK, my my I would imagine that those cities are, you know, trying to bite your hand off at at the moment to, to work with them to help bring employment into into cities and regeneration. Yes. Um. And we, as a business, are positively received. And I think we've been surprised, actually, at the at how quickly uh, people have seen the benefit of our combined model. And we used to joke, so whilst we signed the partnership a year ago, we had about a year of discussions before that. And I'm sure there were other discussions that were going on between Chris Oglesby and Nigel Wilson before my time. So we often found ourselves uh, sort of going, you know, as we were going into a meeting with the local authority, they were leaving the meeting. And we saw, in a way, the partnership came about slightly organically because we were going and saying, well, look, we've, we've, we've got money and we can see potential in the city and we want to invest. And Brentwood were there saying, well, we've got this really good idea and we've got a track record in Manchester and we can do that here as well. We just need some money. Yeah, and they've, they've, got, you know, they've, <laughs> they've, got, they've, got, they've got some of their own money. So, you know, <laughs> it's... Um, but in order to grow and to to reach the potential, they needed they needed some, uh, you know, a financial partner. And uh, and, and that's, where, that's where we came in. So... I think we we have a compelling offer and local authorities are engaged. It's doing exactly what they want. It's backed by the government industrial strategy. It's where we need to go. But they've got a lot of challenges 
to overcome in some of these places as well. And, and we can't just address the commercial space without thinking about where people are going to live, how they're going to get around. It's part of a much wider discussion. Mm. It's really great to, to hear you talk in this way and talk so obviously passionate about, about what you what you do um, and and the difference that that you can make in in the um, sort of wider environment that is is the UK and is and um, regeneration and job creation and all that sort of sort of stuff um, and I can't I can't leave a, a rewire podcast without finding out a little bit more about you and and that journey and how you've got to this place where you can you can be so passionate about an industry that it still has a you know pretty rotten um, reputation out there you know sometimes deserved but um, in my humble opinion more and more so less deserved um, so that's a really long ramble into my question which is <laughs> um, you know have you always felt this passionate about property or has it has it grown I I have always been interested in people and places and how they interact and I was actually telling this story the other day I used to work at a a company called Tishman Spire who have built some amazingly beautiful buildings all around the world tend to be very shiny big glass uh, office buildings and I went home a couple of years ago and my parents were cleaning out the uh, the loft and found one of my Uh, exercise books from when I must have been about four or five not a very talented artist I may have been eight but I'm gonna say four (laughs) or five and I had drawn a house that was all windows and my mum joked that obviously my obsession with big shiny buildings had started (laughs) at uh, at an early age so I think it, it is driven from a curiosity about the environment around me and I like I, I like buildings <laughs> and I like what uh, what what they can do and I mean we, we were sort of talking about this just before we, we got started is that actually the built environment has such a huge impact on people and we forget that because we are told where to go and we can do it so much better and ultimately everyone who works in real estate is a person who has a view on the way they would like to live and work and get around but sometimes we get into a meeting and we forget that and we start asking what other people might want and you think well why don't we just start with what we think is good and and then let's go and build on that yeah but to make sure that we are reflective we need to make sure that that's not all the same people saying what do we think is good of course. absolutely which has teed up the night <laughs> the next bit of our discussion nicely <laughs> of course it's almost like it's planned um but i rarely plan these things um i mean you're clearly a woman yes uh, well done <laughs> uh, uh and you know although i always say oh there's not many in real estate but i've come across quite a lot so i think there are that maybe they're not all just as visible as they should be absolutely and I remember going to a an industry event a women in real estate event two or three years ago now and there were 500 women there and I nearly cried (laughs) but I like I I thought I knew most women in in real estate at my level I you know I go to all the things and I've met people you know 
and CBRE when I started there, you know, our intake wasn't far off 50-50 and all of those people have gone on to, to do amazing things either in that business or elsewhere. So I've got that network and I've met some incredible women along the way, but I had n- I genuinely had no idea. There were so many of us out there. <laughs> and I think it it is a bit of a generational thing. As I said, you know, 13 odd years ago when I started at CBRE, that was starting to be the first of genuinely nearly 50-50 intakes. And those people are now coming through and they are visible and they do have profile in the industry. And we do now have a voice, even if people don't want to listen. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's, it's a natural change that is happening. And there's still work to do but we are in quite a good place I would agree but I do think that um, there's a responsibility maybe a responsibility that that you have as someone who is quite visible in the market to you know continue to be visible to to talk and to encourage encourage others and you know not just women into the industry but but people who want to think about real estate in a different way that it can deliver all these things Uh, absolutely and whilst the male female debate rages on ultimately I have a similar background and upbringing to a lot of the men that I work with and we have to remember that that whilst yes genetically we are programmed slightly differently or we will come at situations from different ways it's not it's not even half of the answer and i think there's also uh, you know there's a there's a demographic shift as well and we have there are a lot more engaged young people who are making active decisions about where they work how they work and how they want to live their lives and w- the extent to which their job is is part of that so I think it's really important that there is a diversity of uh, of background of ethnicity of gender but also of age when it comes to decision making and there is no such thing as a stupid idea and I joked um, the other day that the only thing that's really keeping me and my position is child labour laws otherwise there probably would be a 12 year old who could do my job better than me and we have to we shouldn't be scared of that we have to embrace it and again there are leaders out there who I think recognize that and feel so completely comfortable in their position that it is for them to make sure that these ideas get heard they are still few and far between. Mm, mm. But I hope that, you know, now that we're having these kind of discussions and, um, you know, as you talked about being a service provider and thinking about um, space as a service and customers out there, that we're, talk- we're actually talking to different different people yeah. when we're in the business of, you know, filling space, not just build- building it. So hopefully that will sort of change the conversation and make that difference. I think it does. There's a... I don't know, maybe it's also uh, a bit more of a respect 
thing and, and an understanding that we're only as we're only as good as the buildings we fill and and actually we can't be complacent and we need we don't need to work harder we should work harder it should be different mm. and that goes for everything that we've, that we've talked about today and that is what I see as my responsibility that there are things that I can change and I want to do that and I'm not alone so if we get the right people in the room <laughs> and we keep pushing it will happen fantastic I think that's a really strong point to finish on I think there are plenty of people who want to do that and it's uh it's our job as a collective industry to raise those people up and and listen to them and and go on the journey with them Rachel thank you so much for joining us today in the EG podcast studio and on this rewire podcast